You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to the Hunt of Ore podcast, powered by Sportsman's Empire, where we celebrate the hunting and fishing lifestyle through the utilization and consumption of our wild game. No egos. Fork in hand, beer in the other. No status. A piece of red meat on a hot grill and turn it into a burnt offering. Just catch it, cut it, cook it. This is episode 137, Deer Camp and Cut Night. On this episode of Hunt of Ore, Nick kicks back with some memories of Deer Camp and an impromptu cut night. Gathering after an evening hunt at a friend's cabin, enjoying drinks, stories, amazing company, and good food. Nick lays out the spread and his marinade of choice for heart tacos. On The nostalgia continues as he reflects on another night filled with laughs and good times, an impromptu cut night. Working together to process five doughs for the freezer, he lays out the perks of a community effort and also realizes the preferences of how families eat. He also touches on how the quantity of work 
doesn't always reflect in the quality of work. A great reflection piece on this episode of Huntivore. Well, hey folks, beautiful morning here in Michigan. I tell you what, the snow is beginning to fall. The temperatures are nice and frigid. I tell you what, I am excited for winter. I'm excited for the snow to be falling. I'm excited to still get outside and be able to chase whitetails, to be able to chase small game. Now with some powder on the ground, the crunch of the leaves, it is, it is something I'm, I'm very much looking forward to. We're also in that season before Christmas where it's still kind of, I don't know, it's still in that theme of Thanksgiving, of people still getting together, of hunting camps either starting up or finishing up, and hunting buddies and hunting partners getting together and just living out uh, the sportsman's dream. This past week, I'm yeah, this past week, it was uh, a good time with me and uh, my hunting buddies. We we all put the smack down on some deer, or at least we we attempted to, and we had opportunities, and it was a great time to really fill the freezer. I want to say out of out of our whole group, I think there was one buck hit, and a lot of does. In fact, I think yes. We'll get into the specifics of it, but I believe we were up to five deer uh, over the Thanksgiving weekend that really uh, really sparked off a little bit of our, our festivities. This, uh, this episode's a little bit of a, a hodgepodge. I'm going to take you on that, that week. I'm going to take you on last week, uh, kind of just a play-by-play of how Thanksgiving and the Thanksgiving hunts went for for myself and then uh, we're going to kind of move into uh, a little bit of prepping for the Christmas season starting to put things on on plates um, yeah and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, a cup party we're going to talk a little bit about some of the pros that I love about it and at the same time some of the opportunities and some growth areas that at least I found uh, with with our own crew. But anyway, yeah, last week was a wonderful time where, well, early in the week, uh, Monday through Wednesday was full-on Thanksgiving turkey preparations. Uh, Working at the farm, I was actually parking cars uh, or at least directing traffic as people were coming in off the road to get their fresh turkey. directly from the source. Uh, Awesome time to get to connect with customers. Some of them, this was their first time. Others of them have been coming for generations and decades, and it's just fun to connect with those people. Um, Specifically, like, again, you you forget names, but then you never forget faces as they walk in. Uh, We have a a family that comes in, and they all don these big Thanksgiving party hats. Uh, Dad walks in, it's a big Tom turkey. Uh, The the wife comes in, and it's the, the dressed bird with the little frillies on the drumsticks. And the daughter ends up wearing another turkey hat, and then they have uh, their uh, youngest, uh, the brother there, he wear he wears a hat as well. That has been fun. They've been coming for so long. Uh, even when, even when their oldest was 
really young and she went through the stages of being too cool for the hats and so we've got where they tried to do a family picture and she's either really sad or crying because she's got to wear this hat and it it just got you look back at those photos because of course he has them ready to go on his phone as he flips through the progression and now she's old enough that she's like yeah we just do this for fun Uh, and the brother's a goofball so he doesn't care what he's wearing so that was that's fun to connect with with them we have another family that comes in uh the very end of wednesday they that's their like last stop is coming in so we connect with them um and yeah it was just the parents they're actually on their way to uh see the kids the kids have all you know moved around the country so now they're off to see them so it's just fun to make these relationships with individuals and with families uh through that uh through that experience of being uh, at working at the turkey farm, um, then that brings us into into our own Thanksgiving. My family has chosen uh, to just really take off uh, Thanksgiving, really lay low, try not to do a big meal, try not to do um, all the traditional stuff. Uh, my brother goes off to his in-laws because uh, that family hasn't gotten together. Uh, my in-laws, we, we end up doing something later later in the week so it really opens the door for a thanksgiving morning hunt my my parents are um at that point yeah they're sleeping you know papa is down and out he's he's exhausted uh my brother who's president right now and who's uh running the running the show yeah he was down and out and they were going to go off to the in-laws and so it it really opens up that yeah even though i was tired and i had been putting in some long hours to be able to get up again at 4.30 uh, with excitement, <laughs> not the dread of being able to have to get down to uh, to go to work, but to uh, get the camo on, get the layers on, and get out to the stand. What a, what a nice morning that was. I had uh, some flavored coffee. My wife bought uh, some flavored coffee. And so, yeah, I set that for uh, the pre- uh, pre-percolate or the the pre-drip uh, timer so when I woke up it was already done filled up the Stanley and threw that in the pack hiked out to a spot that was real secluded um, spot we don't usually touch very often and I, I got climbed up in the saddle and settled up there and that morning was really a real calm morning. And for, and for a second, I was like, I don't think I'm going to see anything this morning. But yeah, the squirrels were out. They were waking up with a little bit of a chill in their, in their spine. So they wanted to go search around in the leaves. I watched the sunrise peek through the trees and I could feel as, as the sun began to hit, uh, you know, first my, my feet and then works its way up, climbing up the tree. I could feel it can start to warm my body up again and just sitting in the darkness drinking drinking hot coffee and just again reflecting on all things that I am grateful for all things that I am just absolutely need to show gratitude towards you know one being my wife just an absolute champion in our family and has really been instrumental and in getting the kids involved with sports and keeping me involved with the the kids' sports as well. But at the same time, just offering up 
amazing love and affection and kindness towards our family. And I just, I, I'm in awe of, of all that she does. I'm so grateful for where we live and with the opportunity that we have to be connected to uh, the land that I was raised on and have the opportunity to literally walk out my back door and enjoy wilderness and to be able to enjoy uh, the convenience of being on my hunting grounds. And even the gratitude and of, of, you know, affirmation of being able to go past that and get onto state ground, to be able to have able to have these open pockets of land where anybody and everybody can go and enjoy, whether that's climbing up a tree and seeking whitetail, whether it's chasing after bushy tails, whether it's just going for a hike or going for a bike ride to just have those public places where you can get lost, you can get away, and you can get disconnected. So those were a lot of my thoughts as I was going through my head. And, you know, again, just how influential my family has been upon on my life and, again, how much I I try to influence and I try to um, encourage them as well. It really was a time of just awesome reflection and on cue you know as you're going through these these positive thoughts I did have two does peek over the top of the ridge they started down it uh started down the ridge and at a distance and I I I connected on the doe once she was behind me at 40 yards if if she was going to keep coming in I was going to let her keep coming in and I put a frontal shot not a dead-on front shot, but more of a quartering, uh, quartering towards me, and uh, shot forward uh, in into the brisket. And as it passed through the brisket, it got into uh, the esophagus. And actually, uh, when I got into to gutting her, I saw that how I I hit all those main arteries and vessels and tubes that led to uh, the lungs and just ripped those right out. It it severed that and blew up one of the lungs. Just absolutely turned it to jello and exited out the other shoulder. So I do have a little bit of a meat loss on that doe, uh, be it from the neck and uh, the one shoulder. We're gonna glean what we can off of it, but yeah, that's uh, that's that hard transition from going for the archery where you have minimal meat loss to then using a 12 gauge <laughs> 12 gauge rifle barrel uh, with open sights is you, you're going to get what you can get but anyway we will we will soon be able to glean a lot of meat off that um i i was real excited too because my son has really enjoyed picking up the knife and being able to cut along with dad he's He's in his training episodes right now, but at the same time, I'm I'm giving him the sharp knife. He's got a full-on sharp knife. He's learning how to run the steel. He's learning how to keep the blade in going in the right direction and not coming back towards him, trying to make sure that he keeps his fingers accounted for, uh, pushing the blade through the meat, not trying to pull the meat through the blade, not going with a sawing action, but actually going with a slice action. These are all things that, you know, come intuitive to somebody who's who's broken down and has uh, cut up a bunch of deer. And so to have 
you know, a novice next to you and go through those little techniques uh, it makes that experience more enjoyable. But anyway, I, I was able to put that deer down and, of course, let the, let the group chat know of all my hunting buddies. And they were, uh, they were sending their congratulations. And not a few minutes later, a, a friend in that same friend group put uh, their doe down. Nice big doe. And so, again, congratulations all around. We had, at that point, I believe, three deer. Uh, we had the day before a friend got one. I had one. And now the third was dropped uh, by the other friend there. So the the body count is mounting. And then becomes the talk of a cup party. We are going to end up with a lot of deer and many hands make light work. Uh, they do lean heavily upon some of my uh, teachings and some of my uh, ability to be able to um, take apart an animal, be able to find where the joints are at. What cuts make good steak? What cuts don't make the greatest steak? Uh, and trying to adapt that into five different people's palates. So that we're going to get into in a little bit as we as we get into the cut cut party. But anyway, that was that was the invitation there that everybody was going to come to Huntivore HQ, and we were going to do these deer. The next day on. That would have been Friday then, the next day after Thanksgiving. Um, we had our traditional camp of, you know, we have our, our deer camp, our deer night. And that's where we get a chance to go out and spend one night together. We all live just a few minutes from, from each other, or at least most of us do. A couple of us are, are across town. But then at that point, we are, our hunting grounds are also in our, our same areas. We all have wives, we all have jobs, we all have kids. And as much as we want to spend time together, we understand that we need to also spend time with our families. And so there's been a lot of push to kind of bring those families together into different events. But you never really get away. Even as I'm sitting in the stand, you know, I feel my I feel my phone buzzing and sometimes like in an afternoon hunt, it, there's a lot of requests from the household, from, uh, from the wife or even the, what the kids need. And there's a lot that is going to pull you away from the deer woods. There's a lot that pulls you away from those opportunities to really come together as a hunting group. And so we found that having a full on camp just was not going to work. We were constantly getting pulled away uh, because of responsibilities. We uh, we switched gears and we knew um, our archery. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Ooh, there it is. Let's take a little sip here. <coughs> Clear that out. Summertime, we go and we do our archery getaway up in northern Michigan uh, at a at a 3D event. And so that be, kind of became our camp. That was our extended weekend that we then enjoyed together. But we did reserve one night, and we head out to friend's hunting cabin, his family cabin. It's really like a little Boy Scout lodge way back. It was built, shoot, 50s and 60s. It is a stick frame. It's got tin roof. It's got 
Woodside, it's it just screams nostalgia. There's a fire. There's a um, a wood stove fireplace right in the middle uh, of this of this cabin. There's windows. There's a couple doors and a cement slab. No running water. No amenities. Just a cabin out in the woods. And we enjoy just going out one night. In fact, several guys ended up uh, hunting that property before we all got there. But that evening, I arrived and had some help from another friend. And we, we set up my my camp kitchen. We got the stove ready. We had it all hooked up to propane. And one of our things that we really enjoy is uh, getting the hearts involved. The guys really like the heart tacos that... I've been able to to make up. I take the hearts and you you open them up essentially like a book, slice out all of the vessels, uh, slice out all of the silver skin and tendons and connecting. I'm not even sure what they are, but anyway, they when they contract, they they open and close the vessels. So all that vessel network had to come out. Um, took off as much of the outer um, skin of the of the heart made sure to take off the top ventricles, and then I, I cross-hatched just slightly, like maybe a less than a quarter inch, like really like an eighth of an inch, just dragging the blade over the top just to open up that meat a little bit because I put that in a marinade, a chipotle marinade, super simple. Uh, can of chipotle in adobo sauce, handful of garlic, some cilantro, some lime juice, some lime zest. Add in uh, lemon if you want it as well. Lemon zest, lemon juice, that's your acid. Uh, salt, pepper, and then I blitz all that together in the food processor, and then I just squeeze oil in until I get to the level that I'm looking for. So then I put it all in a Ziploc bag, put the, the heart steaks that are in there, and then marinade on it. If you can give it overnight, that's the best way to do it. Um, I gave it just a full day. Got it done in the morning on that Friday, and then we cooked those up at that night. I also, like speaking of gratitude, I also want to just make a quick shout-out to Mitchell Shirk. He sent us, or he sent me, uh, a bunch of bear in the mail, and... That's when I served up uh, the bear sausage and I served up the bear backstrap, both of which are going to be the first time I've ever had a chance to use those. I was very, very excited. I also was very concerned with if they had the parasite uh, trichinosis or whatever the condition is called trichinosis, but then what is the, the parasite that that is? I that, that escapes me. Anyway, I was concerned with that. I wanted to make sure that I could find a way to cook it properly and at the same time be able to deliver uh, an amazing appetizer out there to the guys. Um, so as I as I was preparing that, I'm thinking, you know what? I got to get this uh, per an article that I, I read actually from Hank Shaw. It's, it's a couple years. You can find it on the Hunter Angler Gather Cook website. I believe that's also called honestfood.com. But anyway, 
you can find Hink's um, article where he talks about getting things uh, to the right temperature. Um, the FDA uh, and all the uh, authoritative bodies around are going to tell you to go to 165 because they want to make sure that they're uh, following everything that uh, basically keeping us super safe. If if it's at this temperature, let's take it up to the next temperature so that we can make sure that everybody is safe. But anyway, reading that, I learned that a lot that um, that particular parasite dies at 137. So at 137 degrees or 135 to 137, that's when uh, that parasite uh, is killed. So how could I get my bear to 137 without overdoing it, without getting it to be, uh, without getting it well done, but keeping it as medium rare as I could, because I do understand that when you have lean meat, uh, the fat is on the outside of the bear. When you get on the inside, man, that, that bear is very lean. Uh, we want to make sure that it's still moist. And so I went over to the sous vide. Um, so I, I actually dressed the back strap. I actually tied him up uh, with some butcher twine to help it hold its shape while it was cooking. Um, I hit it with some dried thyme. I hit it with salt and pepper and garlic. Rolled that in, put that into the Ziploc bag. A couple knobs of butter went in, sealed that up, tried to draw out as much air as possible so that it would sink in my sous vide pot. I had my wand set for 137, and I let that go all afternoon. I knew that it would continue to cook it all the way through and that we would hopefully be able to have 137 all the way through the middle. I portioned out the sausage uh, that he sent as well, and I did the exact same thing. Um, I I just added some butter, added a little bit of salt, uh, let the seasonings do the rest of it, uh, sealed that up again, draw out a bunch of the air, drop that in. So even with the sausages, I stuck those in there uh, for 137 to get a par cook on everything that was in there. So when we finally took it out to camp, I got my griddle going. I was able to uh, cook those up as the, the main appetizer. Uh, a couple other buddies brought out uh, some other stuff. Oh, I did my boar bacon as well. I think I did, I think I did a post on my boar bacon as well. Cured that uh, for quite a while. I believe that was seven days cured in a Ziploc or in a vacuum sealed bag. Um, that was with a rub. Once I got it out, rinsed it all off, I then tightly rolled that belly and tied, or, uh, tied it up with that same butcher's twine uh, like a pancetta or like an Italian bacon where it's all into a spiral. I was hoping that it would hold its shape a little bit better than what it did, but when I cook it, when I sliced it, oh, it holds that tight spiral. It looks just out of this world, looks just knocked out of the park. Smell is incredible. Taste is just on point. Um, but when I cook them, it, uh, it begins to unfurl a little bit and twist. So at that point, I think I, I end up scoring the fat caps on there to help it lay down a little bit flatter. I did. I cut it, uh, well, less than a quarter, but more than an eighth of an inch. I gave it like a thick cut bacon piece to it and 
having a dry skillet, I think, is what it needs. I, I, I tried it in the oven as well. It didn't turn out as well as I thought of. It's got to be either a dry pan or a dry skillet because once that fat starts to render out, it's then going to start to um, help that brown up. I found that it doesn't get nearly as crispy as what we were going for. It doesn't crispen up because I think of the, the coarseness or the thickness of the bacon that I have it. But getting a little bit of a sear on either side, it is more chewy than a domestic uh, pork. But man, is it got an awesome flavor. If you were a chewy bacon lover, wild boar, again, wild boar that's got a bunch of fat on it, is going to be great uh, great kind of bacon that you can make. And I know it's out there, too, that it, it's too thin. And folks have tried that, and it has not worked out. And I bet it's because of either the age of the, of the pig, the thickness of the belly. But this happened to be just a fat belly that I had. So I gave it my college try, and, man, I, I'm really excited about it. Uh, boys are still excited about it. They, they eat that stuff up. Well, two of the boys do. The other one, he doesn't. He likes crispy bacon. He does not like the chewy, so that kind of was a little off-putting for him. But anyway, serve that up out there as well. And so we had a lot of guys, you know, cracking beers and having wild game spread, uh, just living the life out there. We had bear, we had boar, and we had whitetail heart. So we felt very, very happy at that end of the night. Shifting gears to later um, in the week, uh, we were all successful, or I shouldn't say all of us, but at least the five of us were successful in our firearms endeavor. We were able to bring down uh, a lot of us does. One guy bought, uh, got a buck, and yeah, other then four of other others of us got uh, does, including myself. Um, Thanksgiving morning. I just I just love Thanksgiving morning, um, the way that it works out for at least for me. My family doesn't do a whole lot and uh, doesn't do a whole a whole lot in that morning, and it's just a free escape for me to go out. I've been successful the past two years, and have been able to include the boys in the the, uh, the track back, or at least tracking the animal. Hasn't been hard. Uh, dropped both of them right there where they stood. But at the same time, to have the boys come out and get the deer with me and bring it back to the house uh, and to do that whole deer drag adventure. Uh, this year was a solo venture. They did get the news that I had dropped the deer, but the neighbors were also excited to play. So off they went to go play instead of come get the deer. Um, in that endeavor, though, uh, the actual neighbor 
uh, friend of mine actually had to come out and help me. My, uh, my ATV battery died as I was putting the deer in the back and I couldn't get it started again. So actually he came out as a little rescue venture to give me a jump so that we could get, uh, the gator and, uh, the deer back to the house. But that's neither here nor there. That's just hunting. That's just drama along the way <laughs> uh, when it comes to events like that. But yeah, here we were sitting now with with five deer that something was going to have to happen uh, sooner than later. Temps were falling, and it was going to be very adequate for long hangs. Um, the issue was is that we were presented with time now. So giving those deer an overnight or, uh, in the case of my deer, uh, 48 hours, two nights hanging, that we were going to have to get in there and get those deer done before we then entered back into the regular schedule of jobs, regular schedule of kids. This this was that holiday, the, ex- the end of that holiday weekend, and we were going to have to get something done. So that Saturday, we chose as a day that we were going to try and cut up as many of those deer as possible. So we issued out our cut party. Our cut party, uh, yeah, just is exactly what it is. We we set up Huntivore HQ, which is essentially my shop. We I push everything to the sides and make front and center uh, the cut the t- cutting table. I've got a. Uh, Oh, it's like a four by five rectangle steel uh, plated table or steel uh, steel wrap table, and that is the table that we're going to be able to cut on. And where the two bays are, where vehicles could put in, I have um, up in the trusses. I put a board with an eyelet so that we could hang uh, a hoist and a gambrel, and I can have two deer hanging at one time. This really became an assembly line. We tried to uh, make it as efficient as possible by just delegating chores to each person or at least a job or what what the next person's going to have to be doing. That even as one job was getting completed, there was something else replacing it in that way all the way through the process, even over to uh, the back ceiling. So we had a vac sealing station, we had a cutting station, and we had a skinning and quartering area. And things would just flow on through. Um, Had the wood stove going. It was really fun to get that going. Second time we had that uh, up and running. Um, I just enjoy a wood-fired shop. It just, there's a, there's a warmth and there's a, there's a uh, nostalgia about it. You can just hear that. Uh, that stove just a humming away. You can hear that fire popping on the inside of there. And it's just a unique warmth that you get uh, from a situation like that. So, put dew deer hanging up. We were able to, uh, one buddy showed up early. We skinned that deer, quartered it up, and put that on the table. And that was before anybody else had arrived. That left one gambrel free. So, as the next person drove up with their deer, that deer got brought in and hung up, and the process started all over again. So we went from one gambrel to the next, back and forth. Uh, My son was actually going to be at a uh, friend's house 
that evening, and he was pretty bummed. He wanted to be a part of the cup party. He wanted to be a part um, to show at least my buddies what he has learned in this past year. He's now become really helpful at the cut table, so he wanted to be able to do that, and you know he was going to miss out. So I decided that my deer was going to get quartered up, and I stuffed that into the, the deer beer fridge so that we could pull that out and we can actually do that. Um, well, if this is launching on Thursday, it's probably a good potential. We're going to be cutting that up Thursday uh, in and into Friday to make sure that uh, he gets his chance to get his knives on that dough. So I, I did put mine off to the side, so we were, we were then at four deer that we had to get cut up. But being able to have that efficiency of moving through um, from the gambrels so that we could then pull, I have a couple guys at that point, skinning and quartering. That was their that was their job. Once those quarters got to the table, we had four or five guys, and they would then grab a quarter and essentially try to follow a cut depending on whose deer got brought to the table, we tried to do our best to keep things organized that there was only one deer on the cut table at a time, or at least one deer's worth of quarters on the cut table at a time. And whoever's deer that was, we then said, what are you looking for? Do you want steaks? Do you want roasts? Do you want burger? And each one of those guys had a unique way that they wanted their deer done. Not in a way that was like totally outlandish, but with the job that we had, with the community aspect, with the efficiency being a part of what we wanted to do, we we didn't go very detailed on a lot of our cuts. It was, if this was a large piece, we're going to turn it into steak or keep it as a roast. If it wasn't a steak or a roast, it was going to either get diced up into diced or it's going to be chopped or is going to be then stuck in a bag labeled burger. Um, these late season doughs, my boys, my or my fellas really like to have uh, stuff for summer sausage, stuff for snack sticks, for brats. Uh, we've got one friend who has summer sausage nailed his recipe and just his ratios is just the bomb. So I kind of just let hit that that guy own that let him do that and so within a lot of the bags uh went with are going to go home with him uh he's going to be making up a whole load of summer sausage for for all of us so when we're there we are then trying to follow that cut list for whoever's there of course backstraps totally get left whole and when you get a group of guys that you know sometimes get more focused on efficiency than uh, than quality you start to see like corners get cut just for the sake of being able to say that they were done not that that's a bad thing you want to be efficient you don't want to waste time and I feel like maybe that's more the spectrum than I end. I I end up wasting more time because I'm nitpicking about what I can glean off uh, a bone or a piece of fat. I'm continuing to scrape off as much as I can. As as Jeremiah Doty, friend of mine, uh, says on many occasions, it's just one more meatball 
that as I go back and, and take things off, uh, you know, scrape off the silver skin, efficient or, you know, taking my time and really cleaning out those ribs, that is going to end up in a result that I'm going to be able to add to my pile. Unfortunately, that night I did happen to see one of the discard bags and it it was full of potential, <laughs> to say the least. I don't fault anybody on that because, again, we wanted to get the job done. But I think in the, the efforts of getting the job done, we also left a bunch of that job on the bone, on the sinew, on the in you know stuck into that bag that could have resulted into a lot more pounds of ground. I think when you get a lot of minds in the same room and you have different ideas on what needs to happen, we can we can be efficient, but at the same time we got to be thorough. And I think maybe that would probably be our downfall of of this year is we weren't nearly as thorough as what we should be. But at the same time, that's that's kind of like that. It's the group that's that's moving. You're seeing that everything slide through, and you know th- some things are going to go off the wayside. When you get to be at the table by yourself, and you are cutting up your deer, you haven't offered it to the group to be done uh, super fast, super quick. Then you have the opportunity to slow things down, to glean things off, and to take that extra time. As those deer that went through ours, they got done. They got cut up. And majority of the harvest has been gleaned from. If we had more time, if we had taken maybe a slower approach, could we have gotten more? Absolutely. So the reason I... I say all this not as a way to dig at at any of my my buddies, not as a way to like say that our cut night was not as helpful as as what it should be. No, it was super incredible. We got five deer and we got them processed and we got them in the freezer, and that that makes the rest of our you know that makes the next step easier because now we can take those bags to our other buddy who's going to process those. Or when we do a grind party or a grind night, we now have those bags ready to thaw and be able to get into that process. But as you do your own, be specific on what you want from your deer if you put it on a group table. If you have volunteer knives that are around your table, you know, set some set some ground rules set some parameters that you have some expectations not that you want to be overly wasteful of the time but at the same time we want to be thorough in what we're cleaning off i made sure that i did my process so that when i got a boned piece of meat that i would do my darndest to get every morsel I can off of that bone. And then as I take off large pieces of silver skin, flip that over and fillet off what came off with the blade. And that is, again, that mentality of one more beatball, of getting the most out of this harvest that we possibly can. Each of those guys walked out super happy 
about the job that they did with their abilities and their talents and their their practice with knives. Each of those guys was very help happy in the amount of harvest they were then bringing home to then do something with. And ultimately, it was a, a success. But as you prepare your own, as these late-season doe hunts uh, begin to happen, and maybe it's going to be a group effort to get these deer cut up, find a way to be efficient, but then at the same time, don't forget to let thoroughness come through on the backside. So to wrap this uh, little episode up, I, I was I guess I had like kind of a just a couple areas I really wanted to touch on, and there wasn't really a, a full direction, kind of like our cup party. But what I did experience over this last week, I think kind of sums up why a lot of us continue to hunt and why a lot of us not only seek out uh, friends who hunt, or at least we have a group that gets together, that we share in the experience, that we have a chance to really bond over the the taking of an animal and then the harvest of the meat that we're going to be able to then provide for our families. It's something that brings us all together in the season of Thanksgiving and the precursors here to the Christmas season is just an awesome opportunity where we can come together we're we're shifting from where hunting was a solo endeavor being the idea of the quiet and the stillness uh of bow hunting early in the season and as that transgresses through that we we introduce the firearm hunt we introduce uh that more animals are going to be dropped on the ground and then there becomes the the processing side of it where now we need to take those kills and then turn those into uh, the meat that we want and the more hands that you can get on that the lighter the work becomes and so to celebrate that season by no means is the hunting season over or at least the whitetail season here in Michigan is over we still have plenty of opportunity here uh, coming during the Christmas season as we get to the tail end here of of 2023 but I just want to make sure that that as you go on from here, that you, when you are gathered with your group, let them know how you appreciate them. Let them know that this is something special. Take pictures, post those on the you know post those on the wall in your house, or have them a quick access at least as your backdrop on on your computer or on your phone, and the ability to go back. Um, one of my one of the guys in the group has said that on multiple occasions that he wants more pictures of of all of us together because he's like it doesn't take a whole lot and he came from a military aspect where when he was stationed he went over there with guys and came home without those guys and he really uh holds on to the pictures and the experiences that he had over there with those individuals that didn't make it home. And at any point, <laughs> one of us could be wiped off the wiped off the face of the earth so quick. And so to be able to to take those memories and to have those close and to let those folks know that uh yeah, it may be sappy, but 
I appreciate all of you. That is that is something that I think is is powerful, and people need to hear that, and you need to be able to tell people that. That I think comes along with the harvest aspect is that uh, you know you guys have gleaned or you gal, gals have gleaned these relationships. Let them blossom. Let them be told that hey, this is important to me. So yeah, there's there's your last tangent that I went on is uh, yeah that season of Thanksgiving and being able to then show gratitude for those that are around you. So yeah, in conclusion, as I as I wrap this up with a bow, it was a great Thanksgiving week, and I don't think I'm a unique one in having other amazing hunting experiences or hunting camp experiences or hunting partner experiences in this time of season. Relish those, hold on to those, and enjoy those moments. Share those pictures, share those stories. And if you're going to be at the cut table with a bunch of people you that you have selected as your hunting partners, enjoy that. But just make sure at that table that everybody's knife is sharp.